Welcome to the TerraWord Space Podcast. This is Aravind. In this podcast, I attempt to demystify the developments in the space industry. Welcome to another episode. This one's all about hyperspectral Earth observation. You might have come across this buzzword called hyperspectral quite a bit in the last couple of years in the space industry. So I decided to invite Gurik de Krombrugge from ScanWorld to understand what all of these means. Gurik runs a startup based in Belgium, building products for the agriculture sector using hyperspectral imagery from space. In this episode, we discuss what is hyperspectral data, its applications, how ScanWorld uses hyperspectral data, their plans and roadmap, and some interesting topics related to the Earth observation market. Sit back and enjoy. Hi, Gurik. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm very happy to be here with you. Brilliant. So let's get started. Uh, do you want to give you give a quick introduction of yourself and you know talk about your story and how did you end up doing what you're doing now? Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. So uh, yeah. So my name is Gerik. Uh, born and raised in uh, Belgium. I'm um, I'm I'm basically one of these typical space nerds uh, that. Uh, that started to love space, uh, watching Star Wars and Star Trek. So the usual, you know, uh, studied engineering in Belgium. Uh, uh, then I went on to do uh, a PhD in aerospace engineering at the University of Queensland in Australia. Most of uh, most of the people I studied there uh, are now uh, working in uh, micro launchers all over the globe. So got friends in the Rocket Factory, Rocket Lab, Gilmour, uh, ISAR, uh, the old, so I'm I'm the one that uh, left the launcher in industry and uh, hypersonics to go more into uh, applications and uh, earth observation. Uh, after my PhD, I first uh, worked for a consulting company called Space Tech Partners, uh, focused on the space sector, um, and then for uh, OHB, and then for uh, SAPCA, which is uh, the largest aerospace company in Belgium. So. It's uh, a thousand people. <laughs> it's uh, still Belgium, so it's still small. Big for Belgium, and though. then uh, and then now Scanwall. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, now uh, here I am at um, at the Scanwall. Uh, yeah, I started that we created uh, in June twenty one, so not so long ago. That that got you into Earth observation, and maybe let's talk about the market a little bit. So, what what are your thoughts on the market today? Because it seems like it's a very fragmented, crowded market. You know, the the bottom line is everybody wants to launch satellites to to monitor the Earth. As someone who's been tracking the industry, there are I don't know. I think it's too hard to track now. Um, I think it's getting close to a hundred in terms of people who want to launch satellites uh, to monitor the Earth. So, what do you think about the market today and where it's going? Yeah, agreed. Um, it's very messy. <laughs> it's a very messy market. The fact is that uh, I think uh, so. On on one hand, it's true that you 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 can do a lot with uh, satellites in space. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's fantastic. Um, once you launch uh, an asset in space, you have access to the whole planet, which is really unique. Uh, with with only um, at the end of the day, with a relatively small means, uh, you can have uh, a dramatic footprint, uh, a dramatic impact. So, um, so, 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 so that's one dimension of uh, of of the issue. The other dimension of the issue is that, well, the planet is really big, and once you have access to all of it, um, quite often uh, when you ask people doing satellite imagery, okay, what you can do, they're like, oh, everything. 
just uh, think about it. I can uh, count the number of cars in a parking lot. I can do this and that and this and that. Okay, but um, the world doesn't really work that way. Uh, every location has its specificities. Uh, every every country has its regulations. Every um, every every different company, different region has its own needs, etc. So. Yes, you get a fantastic asset that gives you access to the whole globe, it's true, but it's only a very small fraction of uh, the data set that you need to provide a meaningful answer to people actually living on the planet at specific locations. And I think that is, that is one dimension that is dramatically overlooked. Uh, launching satellites in space, or at least retrieving data from space, it's only a very, very small part of the job that has to be done to provide meaningful information at the end to the end user. Uh, so right now, indeed, we do have a lot of people. There is already a lot of data and there is a lot more data coming, uh, which creates a little bit of a mess, especially because uh, most uh, startups uh, will take an incremental approach where they first launch a small set, a cube set or something on the ISS or something, and then a small set and then a bigger set, etc. So that's a big density of data that is not always super useful. Uh, and on top of that, most companies want to have their own platform to share the data. And uh, so for users, it makes it, uh, it makes the whole question of accessibility to data really complex. Um, I think that now what we need is much more people working on making sense out of the data, out of everything that's out there. Uh, and to that extent, the work of companies like um, uh, Skywatch or uh, Up42, etc., etc. I think this is going in the right direction, Esri, of course, as well. This is going in the right direction of, okay, uh, interfacing all of the data that's available out there, uh, making sense out of it and crunching it to, uh, to, to provide something that is usable to the end users. You know, I, I always think about you know, we focus on the first part of the equation, which is the accessibility and the affordability and, you know, having data available, um, priced correctly and, you know, accessible easily. But that's just one part of the equation and makes makes me wonder uh, today if we have a platform where you can go and buy data for cheap, you know, for, you know, cents uh, and a couple of dollars, is, is the use of Earth observation going to increase? just because it's available because people again don't know what it's used for right so even if you were to assume the best case scenario that data is accessible data is affordable uh, data is usable people are still not going to use it because they have no idea of what the insights are so it seems like very few people are focusing on what the data is going to be useful for or maybe i'm wrong maybe there are enough people uh who, you know, they are like just waiting, you know, there are like millions of people around the world who are just waiting for data to come online. Is that the case or do you think I'm right? Well, no, 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 I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's why looking at the taxonomy of companies providing uh, Earth observation data, I think the ones that makes the most sense, enfin, many of them, and including us in a way uh, at Scanwall, are technology driven. Uh, Scanwall delivers hypercentral imagery. ISI delivers radar imagery, etc. So it's really, it's technology driven. Um, but I'm not sure, fin, I'm, I'm actually convinced it's not it's not a good way to operate and it's at least not, 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 not a good way to present yourself to your customers. Definitely not. 
uh, what I think makes a bit more sense is companies like, for example, Aurora Tech, which, uh, as far as I know, Aurora Tech started from a use case, which is fire detection. Okay, fire detection, what are the assets out there? And they looked at all the satellites providing information about fires, etc. And they identified a gap. And to fill that gap, they launched satellites. And actually, <laughs> I'm talking about Aurora Tech, but I think it's the same uh, stance that you're taking at uh, to tomorrow of, okay, you use satellite imagery to detect uh, rainfall, you identify a gap, and because you have an application, you have a use case, and you have a gap in your, your, uh, in your use case, because of that, you launch satellites. That's, that's much better. Yeah, well, no, definitely. I mean, it seems like there are a lot of folks trying to focus on the initial part of the equation, which is getting data available and accessible, um, which is not, you know, we need as much data as possible. Uh, but, you know, we need to start moving to using the data as soon as possible as well. So talking about the different sensors, you mentioned, you know, radar and uh, hyperspectral and optical. Let's let's look at the market that you want you're focusing on hyperspectral imagery, correct? So why is it important? What's going on with the hyperspectral market because you know the there are you know i always think that you know there was the let's say the optical data revolution where a lot of companies were founded for kind of i don't know fighting over resolution or well, i'm you know 75 centimeter you're 50 so now i'm going to go to 30 and now i think we've kind of agreed on 30 so i think that is kind of over uh, and then we had like the sar uh, revolution i think it's still happening in terms of people launching satellites to collect um, synthetic aperture radar uh, data. So I think that's one ongoing thing. And then there's, on the other hand, infrared thermal imagery, uh, again, different use cases. And then comes hyperspectral, which is kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like the umbrella image uh, term that covers all spectrum, right? Maybe, maybe we start with there, you know, maybe there are folks who don't know what hyperspectral means. Uh, could you maybe talk about what is hyperspectral data and why is it important? And then we can get to scan world. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. So basically, um, uh, hyperspectral imagery is is uh, is basically a fancy word to say that you're uh, you're basically launching a spectrometer in space. That's gonna typically when we talk about hyperspectral imagery in Earth observation, we think about the region of the spectrum that covers um, visible to uh, shortwave infrared. So that would be uh, 4, 0.4 nan uh, micrometers to 2.4 mi micrometers. And uh, in that region, uh, most people would think, when thinking about hyperspectral imagery, would think about something around 150 to 200 bands. Basically, the idea is that over, over that whole region, you can actually have um, a continuous curve of the reflectance, not a sampling, but a con continuous curve. And for that, you need a, a, a lot of data points. So yeah, 150 to 200. Uh, you would see a lot of companies today that uh, advertise hypersexual capabilities, but what they do is actually um, slightly better than Sentinel-2. So they would have uh, 30 bands, maybe sometimes 50, but it's not... Um, it is a definition of hyperspectral imagery. It's the one they take, but it's not the most commonly agreed upon. Um, why is it why is it important to have access to all of that region of the of the spectrum? Basically, the way objects reflect light 
uh, will depend on their, uh, their mechanical and their chemical structure. A metal will reflect differently from a, from a plant, uh, from wood, etc. Et and, and so with, with, uh, with the hypersexual imagery, the new dimension that you enter into is the dimension of the chemical composition. So you start having access to, okay, what is it that I'm looking at? Not in terms of, of, uh, of shape, but in terms of chemical composition. So most satellite imagery today, as you mentioned, uh, optical, huh? so not radar, etc. But most optical imagery today is focused on resolution, be it uh, temporal resolution or spatial resolution, which is really nice to count, uh, as I said before, uh, the typical use case that everybody is speaking about, count the number of cars on a parking lot, uh, uh, verify whether or not there is a big ship uh, trapped in the Suez Canal and that kind of stuff. Okay, that's perfect. And for that, okay, it's good to have high resolution, temporal and spatial. But it doesn't give you information about the chemistry of what you're looking at. And in some use cases, that's exactly what you need. It's chemical information. Uh, and that's why we focus on uh, agriculture, because it is one of these sectors where you actually need access to, to the chemical information. For farmers at the parcel level, having high resolution, be temporal or spatial uh, pictures of their fields doesn't is not that useful at the end of the day. Having a th 30 centimeters per pixel images of a big flat cornfield or five images a day, well, it's uh, it's uh, okay. Maybe you can find some use cases, but uh, roughly speaking, it's uh, it's quite useless. Uh, with uh, some satellites like Sentinel-2, etc., you can you can have already access to some of the chemical information. So you can, for example, uh, everybody, one of the indices that is, uh, that is quite well known is the uh, NDVI, the Vegetation Index. What it tells you is basically the, cl the chlorophyll content that, are, uh, that is in, uh, in leaves, um, but which is useful at the regional level for statistical studies, etc. But at the parcel level for the farmer, it's, it's not really that useful because the the NDVI uh, is basically saying whether the leaves are yellow or green. But the farmer just has to go in the field and look and, okay, my leaves are yellow, my leaves are green, and that's it. You can also use Sentinel-2 to do like a crop classification and that kind of stuff. But again, at the parcel level, it's relatively useless. It's only when you open hypersexual imagery, so you already open the full spectrum with a de detailed uh, definition of the reflectance from the visible to the short wave infrared that you can have access to um, the four key characteristics of leaves which are the uh, internal structure, the chlorophyll content, the water content and the dry matter content. And with these four you can then reconstruct uh, the protein content, metabolizable energy content, etc. etc. disease detection uh, which can then be transformed into actual, actionable uh, insights. So what are some use cases? Because you mentioned about the, the leaf structure and, you know, the four components. So what are some products that we can create out of it? So knowing this, what are, you know, is it is it relevant for, you know, companies in the agriculture sector? Or is it for crop insurance? What is it useful for? Yeah. So again, as I said before, uh, what is important is... Uh, we take a very humble stance. So 
with 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 our imagery only it's it's not enough so our 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 imagery like like any kind of satellite imagery has to be used in conjunction with other data sets useful sorry if if i can pause you there i'm so happy that you say that because i don't think a lot of companies actually admit to saying that so yeah i'm glad that you're actually saying that your your imagery is actually not the solution <laughs> because uh, it's because it seems like everyone else you know, at least the communication is, you know, their imagery is enough. And whereas in the reality, uh, it is just one type of data combined with other types of data. So, yeah, sorry, continue. I just wanted to say that, you know, you, you were kind of, uh, you know, not many in the industry do that. So, well, uh, that's that's the way we do things at ScanWorld in general. We uh, we are we are very humble, but everything we say we do. So that's uh, that's the big differentiator. But um, so uh, w one of the use cases would be, OK, um, uh, so the main customers that we have in mind for the moment are farm management information systems. Uh, these are uh, sort of uh, enterprise resource planners, ERPs, uh, so like uh, SAP, etc., but dedicated to farmers. Um, uh, and you have a lot of companies developing them, uh, Bayer, uh, BSF, etc. They all have their own products, uh, their own FMIS, farm management information system, that they provide to their, their customers. Basically, it started as very sim simple tools, uh, giving alerts when uh, they had to do the maintenance of uh, the, the machine, uh, helping with the accounting, etc. And increasingly, what they are building is actually digital twins of the farm, uh, pro providing really detailed insights um, and uh, advice on how to run the farm, when to when to put the water, when to etc. Et we they are very hungry for data and we deliver them one, one of the dimension of the data that uh, they need. Uh, an, an important dimension because it's fully scalable, it's over the whole planet, etc. So yes, it's really useful, but it's only one of the elements. And one of the use cases uh, that we are talking about, uh, for example, a very hot topic is related to, to water. With hyperstructural imagery, what you can do is uh, uh, based on an image, you can de derive the amount of water that is in plants in terms of grams per, per square meters, um, whatever the crop, whatever the ecosystem. So the fact that you have access to hyperstructural imagery is really useful because uh, it's it's much more robust and universal than whatever you could do with multispectral imagery, so with a Sentinel-2, etc. So basically, they use our data that gives them information about how much water is in the plants. They use their, their own biophysical models of the plants because these people are agronomists. They, they know their crops really well. They know the maturity of the plant and they know how much water the plant needs. So they, they subtract by how much water we, we measured. Then they looked at weather forecast, how much it's going to rain in the coming days, etc. Uh, and you can have very de detailed information about that, as you would know. Okay. And the, the remaining amount is the amount of water that the farmer actually has to put on the field. And that is that is that is uh, that, that only that is actually huge because it allows for massive water savings and water is really becoming a precious resource because you know exactly how much water is in the plant. And that's 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 the part of the water equation that's missing at the moment. 100%. No, it seems like it has a lot of applications, but then the hyperspectral imagery itself is not limited to only agriculture, right? Because it, it is used across, um, you know, from emissions to, 
to defense. There are lots of use cases for hyperspectral, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you bring me to this uh, typical stance of Earth observation companies of saying, we can do everything. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, it's absolutely true. So, uh, um, so yeah, it's correct. Uh, basically, the main sectors you, you hear about uh, is uh, agriculture, infrastructure monitoring, and uh, the last one would be uh, defense and security. These are the... And then you have um, lots of application in the maritime sector as well, uh, but there you don't really, you don't have as much paying customers. So that would be more ambition for institutions, for uh, for the cryosphere as well. It's super important, but again, that's a bit more for institutional missions, ge- ge- geology as well. Fin, okay, but fin, all of these are more for institutional missions. For commercial missions, it's really infrastructure monitoring, defense and security, and ag, agriculture. So why why do you then focus only on agriculture? Why why are you doing it differently compared to other, you know, many earth observation companies which take a stance of, we want to go after every market? Why did you go after agriculture? One dimension of the answer is, uh, if you're launching an asset in space, uh, your objective should be, at least in my opinion, to take, uh, to to take as as many pictures as possible, uh, because the more data you sell, basically satellites in space, it's very low opex but very high capex. So your your goal should be what should be to have a volume of sales that is as big as you can, so that you can really spread the capex and achieve a really low pricing, right? Okay, so uh, so the objective should be to take as many pictures as possible and sell as many pictures as possible of the planet. Uh, agriculture is one third of the land masses. So it's by far the largest artificial land on the planet. So, okay, <laughs> I think everybody, if you're launching satellites in space, well, yes, you should definitely aim for agriculture. Definitely. It's the most interesting. And as I said, uh, the most relevant for agriculture is to have access to the chemistry, to what's 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 unseen what the farmer doesn't see diseases etc etc et and uh, that's hypersexual imagery so in my view the killer app for earth observation is really one of the killer apps it's really hypersexual imagery for agriculture so that's why we focus on agriculture another side reason is in europe we don't have a unified uh, defense and security sector as they do in the united states right uh, in the United States, well, uh, you have access to uh, all of these uh, military institutions, uh, defense institutions that are very hungry for data and that have very deep pocket and a strong appetite for innovation. Uh, we don't have that in Europe. So we focus on the next uh, best uh, thing. And that's actually a good thing because most of our serious competitors in the hypersexual race are based in the, in the United States and they focus on defense and security. And they end up with a system that is uh, quite different from ours. Uh, so maybe it will get a bit technical here. But what we want to do is to image very large areas with a very, very high quality, uh, a very, very high spectral quality, right? Uh, because we want to see exactly how much water is in the crops, etc. Et um, our competitors uh, based in the United States, mostly focusing on defense and security, uh, they they are they are looking for anomalies, so not fine changes in uh, in in 
in water and the vegetation, etc. But anomalies like okay, is there um, is there a tank that is camouflaged in the middle of the forest? Yes or no? Uh, if if there is metal in the forest, that's an anomaly. That's very easy to spot, right? So the spectral quality is not that relevant for them. But on the contrary, the spatial resolution will be very important. They want to have very fine images. Uh, so they don't look at very large areas, but at very small areas, we have a very high resolution. And we end up with two, at the end of the day, two very different systems. Okay, makes sense. So yeah, I think I was going to ask you about different competitors and you know what they are up to and how you're different. But yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And you know they are focusing on a different system for a different use case, and you are focusing on um you know the ag market but can i say if you know would you be calling yourself an ag tech company uh just curious because i've been thinking about how you know earth observation companies would you know of course there will be some multi-purpose you know earth observation companies who will supply their data to different sectors but part of me thinks that you know some companies in earth observation will become you know kind of part of another industry you know if you're working on ag you kind of become an ag tech company or if you're working on um yeah if you're working on i don't know oil and oil and gas or emissions monitoring then you become kind of you know in the sustainability space and not part of space tech anymore you know Ab- absolutely no no we are fully an ag tech company uh, absolutely that's the way we brand ourselves uh, ag tech company and actually, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, we all go to these events, etc. Uh, we actually only go to agriculture conferences, uh, mostly. Um, and um, you need to make your voice uh, heard, right? So, so, so that's really where you need to do evangelization, go and talk to people. There is a lot of enthusiasm for startups and innovation, etc. in agriculture. But it's also... Um, uh, a very complex environment, especially because they are they are very. Um, for, uh, first of all, when when we go to agriculture conferences, we actually talk to our customers. So we need to convince them and show them that what we do is fantastic, and ask them to do a demo, etc. So that's that's a lot of work. So that's one, and second, because in agriculture they are they are uh, they are very disappointed by satellite imagery in general. Uh, there have been a lot of promises from the satellite imagery industry, like, okay, uh, we are going to do so much for agriculture, etc. And they realize that, okay, it's expensive, it's complicated, I don't get as much as they told me I would get, etc. So now you need to convince them again, like, okay, this time it's different, because we have a different sensor, etc. So you end up talking about te- technology, which is always complex, uh, because they want to see results rather than technology, etc. But okay, bottom line is, we only go to agriculture conferences. The only time we went to, to a satellite conference, a space conference, was to the World Satellite Business Week uh, in December. And for me, it was a vastly different experience because all of a sudden, everybody wanted to talk to me, you know? I was like, everybody was around me buzzing like, oh, oh, you're launching satellites. Oh, that's fantastic. You guys are the best. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to buy my satellite? Do you want to go on my launcher? Do you want this? I want to send you this, 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 this. And you feel so good about yourself when you go to a space conference. But that's because you're not talking to your customers. You are the customer. So, of course, it's very pleasant. And that's maybe one of the fallacies. It's um, Earth observation companies developing applications, etc., shouldn't go to space conferences because you receive a lot of 
positive feedback that it's actually a fallacy because yes, they all want you to succeed because you're a potential customer. If you go to the conference where you're actually selling your product, it's a very different story. That's where you actually need to convince people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a very interesting point, and I think it's true. It's it is very true, and you know, uh, you know, since I joined tomorrow, I realized that as well. You know, most of like you said, most of them kind of view as a customer, and they want you to do well, not because you know they want the industry to grow or your application is awesome, <laughs> because you know you can continue be a be a customer. Um, all right, sounds good. So let's talk about your approach, and so you mentioned about agriculture, so you are focusing on agriculture. Uh, you're launching hyperspectral sensors into space. Um, so, you know, what's your plan? Are you developing your satellites right now? Are you working on your product, uh, which is going to be, I don't know, a software product of some sort? What's what's kind of your approach and your plan? But so the bulk of the team is really working on uh, what what we call um, the image segment. So how do we how do we handle the data to make sense of it and make it uh, usable? So the space segment, it's all procurement. Um, we we purchase a satellite from a third third party. We co-develop a payload with a specialist in space optics. We use a ground station as a service. Uh, we don't develop a, uh, our own launcher, uh, obviously. So all 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 of that we use ready-made sol- solutions. Yeah. Well, the only reason you will be associated with space is because you are procuring space components. Other than that, you're not a space company because you're not building satellites. You're co-developing sensors, as you said, but you're very much focused on what comes out of the data. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, That's absolutely true. And that's actually also why, so we don't take this uh, incremental approach that that most uh, startup takes where they first do a small set of a, a cube set with a small sensor and then they go bigger and bigger and bigger. If they do that, it's mostly because they need to convince their investors, look, we know what you're doing in space. Uh, we are able to send uh, assets in space, etc. Et et what we tell our investors is uh, that's actually not a problem. Uh, we have a very strong team. So our, um, our, um, our chief engineer has been working on more than 20 space missions, uh, including he has a uh, uh, decades of experience in the space sector. Uh, he has even been working on a mission that went to the moon, etc. So we, he, he tells our investors, look, there are, we are going to purchase a satellite from a company that has already 20 plus similar satellites in space. That's not a risk. So we don't need our MVP is not a simplified version of the satellite. Our MVP is a simplified version of the product in agriculture based on hypersexual imagery. Yeah, essentially, you're you're essentially a software company and your MVP is a software. It's just that the, the data for that software happens to come from space. Yeah, we just happen to, we need to purchase a big machine that happens to be in space. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting that, you know, you don't decide to build your own satellite because everybody, like I said, wants to build their own satellite. And uh, I don't know if that there's there is a reason for that. I think people talk a lot about vertical integration. And I talk a lot about verticalization, which is, you know, choosing a specific vertical and a problem as opposed to building satellites and then, you know, deciding to do uh, what to do with it later. So it's very interesting that you chose the verticalization approach. Uh, not many companies have, you know, gone with that approach, right? Everyone else goes for the 
vertical integration bit. And I think part of it comes because, you know, they saw a planet do it and, and, uh, but they forget that planet was founded in 2011, 12, where they could not have gone and procured satellites. Um, and you today have the capability and the industry is ready in terms of, you know, supplying your confidence. Yeah. I was actually amazed uh, by the maturity of the industry, the, the small set industry. Honestly, I wouldn't have, uh, I knew that the satellites were almost off the shelf, but I wouldn't have expected that it was uh, to such an amount. Uh, so we contacted more than 20 potential suppliers in Canada, the United States and all over Europe. And we had extremely good proposals from people that really have background experience. But there, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of people to choose from. And satellites are not that expensive at the end of the day. Enfin, small sat. Huh? So we talk about SPAC class, so 150, 200 kilo. It's, it's not really that expensive anymore. Um, I will not tell, tell them that it's not that, uh, that expensive. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm really su su surprised to see that, yeah, we really enter an age where all of these uh, things that are upstream in the value chain are, are, are really getting com commoditized. It's not a commodity yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, it, it can potentially become, I think. Um, cool. So one thing that I wanted to you know, check with you is about institutional missions, because we talked about it. So how many institutional missions for hyperspectral are there? And, you know, it's, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, in terms of availability of data, are there... You know, is there data available, hyperspectral data available today that people can go and kind of use? Or maybe you guys are already using? Uh, so in terms of institutional missions, which is a technology demonstrator from the Italian Space Agency, it's really um, a beautiful spacecraft uh, on orbit at the moment, uh, providing a, a lot of data. Uh, so, so, so that's really, really, uh, for, for us, it's a fantastic asset. Uh, we use it extensively. Um, the only issue is that, uh, fine, it's a technology demonstrator, right? So uh, that means multiple things. Uh, one, uh, the only licenses that are available at the moment are research and development licenses. So you cannot deliver commercial products uh, based on the Prisma. Um, the license document is long. The process to obtain a license is long. Uh, you can only, only download one image per day. Uh, and of course, the coverage is not, it's not over the whole planet. Uh, it has a very small coverage. So this is one limitation. Another limitation is because it's a technology demonstrator, they, they do a lot of testing on it. Uh, they change the calibration uh, setup, they change, uh, and all of these changes are not always fully documented. So you cannot really develop a product based on the images of Prisma because the, the next day, the raw material that you use for your product is going to change, etc. So, okay, it has its limitations, but at, at the end of the day, we are very happy that it's on orbit uh, and it's a great asset. Uh, there is another technology demonstrator coming on orbit um, this year, if all goes well. It's Nmap uh, from the DLR, so from uh, Germany. And uh, again, it's a technology de demonstrator. So uh, uh, we, will, we will not have... Uh, Uh, it will not be a solution to develop commercial products, but it will be a great asset to do some testing, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And these are the two institutional missions uh, that I know of. Uh, there is a lot happening in China as well. Uh, we had access to some of uh, the images. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's uh, it's not really our definition of hypersexual imagery. Uh, there may be other institutional assets uh, elsewhere in the world, uh, but for uh, defense and sec security, etc. So the two big changes that, that are coming are uh, at the end of the decade, uh, two large, large-scale missions. One is uh, CHIME, so it's uh, Sentinel-10, it's part of the Copernicus program. Uh, CHIME is gonna... It's, it's basically Sentinel-2, but with 200 bands. So that's going to be a fantastic product. Uh, we're really excited about it. And on the other side of the Atlantic, there is the uh, Surface Biology and Geology mission, um, which is hypersexual and thermal infrared. So that's from uh, NASA. Uh, most likely not on the same spacecraft. So it's one mission, but two spacecraft, one to do thermal infrared and the other to do uh, hypersexual imagery. And that is also going to be a fantastic asset. Using together thermal infrared and hypersexual makes a lot of sense for many applications, which is the reason why we've entered into uh, a partnership at ScanWorld with uh, Constellar, another startup uh, based in Germany, because we really want to exploit our data to, together. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you about it in terms of the partnership, because these kind of partnerships are not very common in the industry. Let's be, let's put it that way to companies working on Earth observation, uh, you know, partnering together. So, so the reasoning was to kind of start using the data together to make products together, right? Because at the end of the day, both Constellar and Scanwell are targeting agriculture. So it makes sense that you work together on it instead of, instead of saying that we're going to go to market separately and kind of offer a solution which is not complete. As opposed to that, you can then, you know, partner and then offer a solution that makes sense to the customer. Absolutely, absolutely. So Consellar is a, it's a really interesting startup. So we are really, uh, we have a similar philosophy, uh, them and us, uh, and we get along really well. So we are really happy with them. Um, and basically, so the, 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 the first step is, okay, um, people in the ag business will most likely, if they use satellite imagery, it would make a lot of sense for them to use thermal infrared and hypersexual together. So the first step, before even thinking about products, the first step is, okay, let's make sure that our data is interoperable, that we use the same grid, etc., etc. So both data sets can be used at, at, at the same time. Um, once that's done, okay, let's start thinking about joint products. Um, and yes, so what I mentioned about water makes even more sense once you can use third thermal infrared uh, on, on, on top of it, because then you reduce the uh, uncertainties by uh, uh, dr dramatically. And so you can have very, very accurate uh, information about what's going on on the field. Okay, makes sense. Uh, so last question on ScanWorld. So what are your plans? Uh, when is the satellite going to be launched? And, you know, um, yeah, basically what's what's coming up in your roadmap? Yeah, uh, so basically now we are uh, we are uh, we will soon start um, uh, the co-development of our uh, instrument. So we 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 selected uh, an instrument provider, and that is actually our critical path for the space uh, segment uh, because that's the operation that takes uh, the longest, and then brings us on orbit, uh, roughly speaking, uh, early twenty twenty five for the for the first uh, satellite but our first satellite is directly uh, we we call it a proof of concept but it's actually a final version of the satellites that we want to have on orbit 
Um, because as I told you, the MVP is not on the space segment for us, it's on the ground segment. So from now until 2025, a lot is actually happening uh, on the ground. Um, so first, the, the, the development of all of our image segment, the, the processing chain, etc., etc., uh, using, for example, Prisma, using hopefully soon Nmap, etc. And then also the realization of, um, of proof of concept, uh, of a pro prototype project, etc., with potential customers using either Prisma and Nmap and are also uh, drones. Um, which is, of course, not the. Uh, we don't think that drones are a commercial solution in the long term, but it's a great way to show what can be done with hypersexual imagery. And we've or already done a, lo uh, a lot of that um, on our first product for soil organic carbon. Uh, we had uh, we had a demo campaign in Australia. We had a demo campaign uh, in the Baltic states, uh, etc. Et so we are really move, move, moving forward with all of these. Okay, that makes sense. Cool. Um, let's do some wrap up questions and before we end. So one thing that I always ask is, um, you know, what do you worry about the industry or you know what's not going good according to you uh, in the industry or what could go wrong essentially in earth observation so in earth observation specifically i think that now we really really need to start making sense of the of the data uh, what could go wrong is uh, keep on uh, if a venture capitalists don't realize that okay we need to stop a little bit uh, and we need to instead of investing in in people providing data and data and data Let's invest in people making sense of the data. I'm saying that knowing that we are delivering <laughs> a new layer of data at Scanworld, but uh, I think that our data is actually ex excessively relevant. Uh, and um, I say that speaking about venture capitalists, but also uh, institutions. Uh, so we see a lot of uh, uh, IOD missions or uh, state-funded missions, etc. Uh, one of the dangers uh, in Europe specifically would be to have um, my dream would be to have all of the earth observation missions uh, institutional earth observation missions in Europe going through the Copernicus program because that provides really a good framework for harmonization of the data etc and you, you you hear increasingly states that want to launch their own constellation of uh, etc and uh, i don't think that's the way to go so that's um, yeah one of w waste of money and resource uh. yeah, yeah i mean 100 it's it's like having yeah i mean at the end of the day five navigation systems around the world essentially doing the same thing right so i think that's that's kind of inevitable and it's the same thing with communication we see that happening with starlink and then the europe's constellation and then the chinese one and OneWeb and amazon so Essentially, that's kind of way um, the industry seems to be going. All right, last question. So what is the one line that uh, you want to, or one line message that you want to con convey to the the industry, the space industry or the earth observation industry? Is there anything that you'd like to say? So we need to stop congratulating ourselves and we need to actually start talking to customers. They are the ones that should congratulate us. There is a lot of public money, etc. Uh, et so okay, it's cool. We are all launching stuff in space. We are all very. Fa, it's uh, it's normal. We are all super excited. It's like when when you when you ask me, 
Uh, okay, why don't you develop your own satellites? Of course, I want to develop my own satellites. That's that's the fun bit, you know. And I want to see rockets going to space, etc. So that's the fun bit. Uh, and everybody's really happy to see launches and yeah, congratulations. But no, that's not where the congratulations should be. The congratulations should, should, should be sales. We made a lot of sales. We are actually becoming a prof profitable company. Or our, our customers are saying that we'll do a fantastic job, etc. And that's where the congratulations should come from. Um, yeah. Cool. I think that's a, that's a very nice uh, message to end the podcast on. Uh, thank you very much, Georg. Thanks for being on the podcast. It was uh, very, very nice and nice to know about the hyperspectral world as well. Thank you, Arvind. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is Arvind again. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Terrawatt Space Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, feel free to sign up for my newsletter, Terrawatch on Substack. That is terrawatch.substack.com, where I attempt to decode the recent developments in space tech and its impact on Earth. Thanks again and hope to see you for the next episode.